0: I'm R.A. Schwartz, along with my co-host, Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. This episode, we're talking WNBA Finals Game 5. show please consider joining our patreon community for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w you know we couldn't do a last episode of the season and not have a guest so we brought the famous the infamous matt ellentuck of sb nation to join us and talk WNBA finals game five matt how's it going what's up people rachel how you doing
1: <laughs> i'm doing well how are you guys
0: <laughs> you know what you know what I'm, I'm just gonna throw this out there for the start the first Uh, WNBA game of the season that I missed was game four of the WNBA finals. I had to Sandy Koufax it, look it up if you don't get it. Um, but long story short, I was, you know, everyone can hate me for this. I know being a DC person, some people are really going to dislike me for it. I was praying for a game five. I did not want the game, the season to end on uh, the first game of the season that I couldn't watch. And honestly, I think it's better for the league to have a Game 5. So I'm super excited. But, uh, Matt, what's your reaction as someone based in D.C. and probably thought that he would not be coming home to D.C. for a Game 5?
2: Folks, I am tired. It's been a long season. (laughs) Matt's going on vacation in two days. We're really cutting it down to the wire, WNBA. But, no, I'm really happy. I mean, getting this series to push to 5 and especially having a game as thrilling as Game 4 was is like everything you can ask for, for a growing league, right? Like if anybody watched the last game, they're definitely coming back for tonight's finale, which is kind of the dream.
0: Rachel, what, what were your, your initial reactions to uh push into game five?
1: I mean, I called it, so I'm not <laughs> surprised. Oh. <laughs> no, in, in all seriousness, um, first and foremost, you guys, I'm in Colorado and it's snowing right now. There's literally two inches of snow on the ground. I just want to make that plug. Um, and, and and back to that, back to the actual WNBA, I, um, I'm i not surprised. Um, I really did feel like this series would go to five. I feel like it's great for the game. Um, I think these are two brilliant teams in terms of what they can do, you know, offensively, defensively, the, the drama surrounding this series. And honestly, the, the drama surrounding this entire season, I mean, it, it would be pretty anticlimactic if it didn't go to a game five, you know, and it's just been a very long season as Matt Said and um, I think we're all probably pretty pretty tired from it, but yet at the same time so hyped up about what's going to happen tonight and uh, what we're going to see. I mean, it's just uh, it's just been a jam packed series full of drama. Um, and these are just two incredible teams, very different teams, but um, I mean, it doesn't get any any better than a game five in the WBA Final
0: i, I got to say my favorite moments of the WNBA playoffs so far this year have to be, one, Liz Cambage's little trash talk after pulling off that victory in the semifinals. Uh, two, anything Courtney Williams-related. And this is in no order. Anything Courtney Williams or Don Williams-related because that's just been pure gold. And then has to be uh, Natasha Cloud guaranteeing the victory in the post-game presser uh, after the loss in Game 4. And that, that's what I like to see.
1: I like it, too. I mean, I, I think that's a, a bold statement, but that's the type of edge that you need to have, you know, if you're Washington, um, who, who just took an L and, and you're headed back home and, and you have that sort of fire behind you headed into a game five. Like, I love everything about what she said. I love the swag behind it. Um, and, and I'm absolutely here for it.
2: The Mystics have come alive in these playoffs. And, like, obviously we know how great they are on the court, but they've always been, like, a sort of mellow, laid back. Like, they're labeled based on their superstar, right? And we know Elena is really just, like, calm, cool, collected. Liz Cambage lit a fire under them. And then they've been talking shit ever since. And it's kind of beautiful. Like, this is what we wanted from them. Like, give me some sort of spark. Let Natasha Cloud talk. Errol Powers, we know, has no problem talking uh it's been gold i'm ready
1: that's a a fantastic point because you know we have talked so much about connecticut having uh the disrespect and the chip on their shoulder and the underdog kind of that that overall tone that we've seen very much you know these last few weeks but you know you're right about the mystics you know they not that they have an underdog tone but they do have something that has come alive in them in terms of that edge um that maybe we didn't see throughout the course of the season in terms of different personalities and the in the the shit talking and stuff that's kind of happened, um, we've seen that really thrive, you know, these last few weeks. And I think that's a great point and in and, and large part headed into this finals, especially this final game is going to play an important role.
0: Yeah. And something I'm looking for, um, I don't know if, if you caught this stat that our guy Gabe Ibrahim put out, whoever has won the first quarter so far in this series has won the game. So, like, throw out, you know, quarter number two, quarter number three, and quarter number four, because all that matters is quarter number one. Um, For me, just thinking about who's going to pull off this win, it's all about the energy, but controlled energy. We saw in in the games that uh, D.C. won. Connecticut had energy, but they kind of looked a little bit lost, a little bit panic energy. Um, And D.C., honestly, when when they're kind of backs against the wall and haven't been playing well, uh, I've just seen no energy, a very stagnant offense. Rachel, what's going to be a key element? Uh, just looking at this game as far as like stat lines or something like that that you're looking you know, at. I was
1: just really looking at numbers before we jumped on this podcast, and I mean, everyone knows I'm a huge advocate for <laughs> for the rebounding battle, and, and I agree. I think the team that jumps out, obviously, that that's what one that we've really talked about a lot. The team that wins the first quarter wins the game, but honestly, rebounding, this is a huge step in this series alone. You know, the team that has won the rebounding battle so far these last four games has won the game. And I think both teams rebound the ball and control the glass in very different ways. You know, for Connecticut, that's about being aggressive. That's sending um, multiple people to the glass, really getting, generating themselves second-chance opportunities. And for Washington, that's just being sound and controlling the glass, limiting second-chance opportunities. Um, their shots, you know, for the most part. <laughs> both teams are great shooting teams, but especially Washington, you know, when they're making shots, they're not going to go get a ton of offensive rebounds. But it's important for them to control the defensive side of the glass, and that that is such a big number. And I, I just put a tweet out that's kind of bold, saying that whoever rebounds, whoever wins that rebounding battle tonight, is going to win the game. And no, that's never a guarantee, but that's been the pattern so far this game. So really pay attention to um, you know Connecticut being aggressive, sending JJ to the glass. You know if, she, if she's having a monster game, you know like 18 rebounds again, look out. Because it's going to be a long night for for Washington if, they, if they're you know putting up that type of numbers. But you know I'm a little bit concerned with Washington with the injuries, especially with Elena, Elena who's their leading rebounder and her ability to get in there and, and bang around a little bit um, is important. You know with that stat line in particular, that's that's the one for me that plays the biggest role.
0: Matt, what are your thoughts?
2: Uh, it's really going to be a matter of how the Mystics are able to break. Connecticut's defense uh, along the three-point line I think in the games that they've lost it's been because Connecticut's been switching on everything and forcing Washington to go iso and with Elena literally not being able to do anything besides like straight line cuts that really eats into what DC does Um, and it's tough I mean Connecticut has a ton of versatile defenders Alyssa Thomas can do everything at any point and John Cole Jones is even a mobile five so it's gonna be a matter of if uh Tebow can find a way to break that and if Washington can actually spot up for for threes, because that's how they've beaten everybody up all year.
0: Yeah, and uh we had a great episode with uh Coach Brian Agler who spoke about this, and I recently <laughs> just had Alex Bazell on the on the pot where he spoke about these uh these similar things. So apparently smart minds or good great minds think alike. Let's move on though. We're gonna do it a little differently. Uh I feel like everyone when it comes to W coverage has been talking about the positives uh, if they pull off the win, what it's going to take to pull off the win. So we're going to flip it and be those glass half empty type people. Obviously, one team's going to win and obviously that team is going to get a lot of attention uh, on on that victory and winning the first championship in their team's history. But we're going to do for this game, uh, for this series, as it were, we're going to talk about what it means to the teams that lost. So what does it mean to DC, assuming that they lose? What does it mean to Connecticut if they lose? Who do we blame? Who didn't show up? Who's the MVP, uh, and, and and that type of stuff, you know? Um, obviously MVP talks more so if they if they win, so that's a little bit of a flip of it. Um, but let, let's start off with uh, with an easy one with DC, the the presumptive favorites for this game. I believe if you look at the uh, the Vegas lines, they they're expected to win, so I think we can go with that and. And I'll be the first to uh, put my my name in the hat. Be the first to uh, to bring on the criticism. If DC loses, who do we blame? And honestly, I'm going to be quite blunt on this one. I personally blame Coach T. Uh, there's a reason. If you if you look at his stats, he hasn't won a championship yet. I realize this is some sort of a hot take, and I'm not trying to take away from the greatness of his of his career or what he's done. I think he's an amazing person, and an amazing coach, but. There is obviously tiers and levels of coaches. There's ones who are amazing coaches, but when they get down to the end, they struggle. There's amazing coaches who just never had the team that really allowed them to get to a point of finally seeing that. Then there's coaches who honestly, their players just make them look better than they are. And for me, Coach T is a a coach who has shown he is a great coach. No one is denying that. But can he come through? Can he, you know, I look at it the same way as as a, a player. You know, they might have the most amazing career. Tina Charles, never been in the finals before. But if she gets to the finals, can she step it up? You know, those, those players that you wait for them to get to that moment and see how they react. So far, I've not seen Coach T, uh, you know, make the moves that I would like to see to uh, to confirm to me that he's a championship winner. And, and that's why I feel like if they're going to lose this game, it's likely going to be down to a, a last-minute play or a last-minute of play. And uh, there's going to be some questionable calls, i.e. Ariel Powers taking that three ball to win the game, Uh, i.e. Ariel Atkins not being on the court for the last few minutes of that game in Game 4. That's my take. Uh, Rachel, you'll go second.
1: Yeah, I I definitely hear you on that. I think um, when you're talking about two evenly matched teams that have gone back and forth in the series the way we've seen Connecticut and Washington, I mean – the, the, the smallest margin plays the biggest role. I mean, we we, could, we can analyze a lot of different things. I, th- I think you could have a take of this, of, um, you know, home court advantage um, and how important that is with Washington being able to be at home and, and how good both of these teams are at home. Um, so for me, I, I, you know, I definitely hear you on the Coach T thing. I think um, it will come down to the wire and decision-making. I mean, it, it, we're talking about that, that marginal of a difference, Um, Decision-making late in the game. Um, Who's going to win that battle between Kurt Miller and Coach T? You know, who who, who ends up winning that Um, is is a great question. And I think that is a question that deserves to be asked. Um, But honestly, you know, for me, I I think for Washington, you know, I I still feel like they're going to pull it out. This is by far, in, in my opinion, been the best team consistently through the course of the season. But in order to win a championship, you have to have luck. You know it's so difficult to go and win a championship, and and we have some injuries here. You know, Elena Deladon, the greatest player in the world that I love to just continue to say, is is not one hundred percent. Matt, what would you say she is? I mean, you you've been there uh, the last couple of years in person. I mean, she's made fifty percent. She,
2: yeah, I mean the way she's described it it's it's been ugly i mean she already said this is more painful than the knee injury last year and trying to fight through it is just a whole different type of animal she was describing how she sleeps on like she she only has like one or two positions that she actually feels comfortable in and she's got to like line up pillows in every which way to like even be in the right you know like way for her to I, i don't know how to describe it she was basically like i'm in so much pain um i i'm trying to think of the other things she said about it um she, like, she keeps going to the back um, every time she's subbed out to try to keep it mobile because the second she sits, it gets stiff, and then she can't move. I mean, you can just see it every way she tries to dribble the ball. She literally can only go in straight lines because her yeah. back just I, won't get. I, I
1: feel like if it comes down to it and Connecticut is able to win this game five and Washington loses, um, I, I am less apt to blame Coach T particularly unless something just absolutely catastrophic happens down the line. And I think it's more so on the case of injuries and on that luck standpoint. you have got Elena Deladon you know, functioning at, at the percentage she's, she's functioning at. You've got Christy Tolliver who's injured. You know, those are two defensive liabilities at this point. So in my opinion, in terms of winning a championship and getting to this far, yeah, both teams are banged up. Both teams have injuries. That's just where it is in the point of the season. Everyone's got to fight through that. But with the Mystics in particular, um, unless it comes down to some sort of last-second play call or some sort of out-coaching scenario, I think you have to blame the injuries.
0: Matt, what about you?
2: Yeah, I'm on. I'm on that train too. I mean, second year in a row with just absolutely shit luck for Elena, who is just like it's heartbreaking to see because she. I mean, she. This was her year. She dominated this she league.
1: you know, she I, really
2: does. Yeah, I mean, she clearly established herself as the best player in the world, and this was her breakout year that we're probably going to remember after she retires. Like this was it, um, and it completely sucks. Uh, it's hard for me to blame Tebow um, if things don't go. The way he wants them tonight. I mean, he built a historic offense. We've never seen anybody space the floor and shoot as well as this team. It was just expertly crafted. Um, he's designed brilliant sets, he's countered pretty much everything that Kurt Miller has thrown his way um as you know in the first two games until Elena went down. Um it's really hard for me to blame him. Uh but yeah, it's not even just Elena, it's Ariel Atkins who his back is her back is all messed up um, Chrissy Tolliver with her knee injury that she refuses to wear a knee brace for and also her back is definitely bothering her also um, I I don't have a hot take in me I think Tebow's been hit with shit luck yet again and it totally sucks all
0: right, all right I'll give you that I'll let you guys off with that one but uh, let's talk about DC a little bit who has not shown up this series? Who has not necessarily been the go-to player that DC needed to win to win this series? Um, honestly, going going into the series, I thought it was going to be Ariel Atkins because what we saw in, in the semifinals was not what we grew accustomed to. Um, honestly, I, I'm a little out on this one. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I kind of look to the bench. Uh, I, I don't know. What, what do you guys think as far as who didn't show up for DC on this series? Matt, you can go first. I'm going to go last on this one.
2: Yeah, um, I think the most disappointing thing defensively, and I think that goes from this series and the last one, is uh, Emma Mieseman defensively. Uh, She's so brilliant on offense and and scoring, but when it comes to defense, she has a really tough time uh, staying in front of bigs, whether that was Liz Cambage in the last series uh, or John Quill Jones in this one. But uh, DC gets obviously weaker when it has to use her to to defend bigs. but then again, she counters it so well on offense that sometimes you forget about it. Uh, it's hard to blame like one person for the series, but that I guess would be the most disappointing part. What do you for think,
1: me. Rachel? Yeah, it's tough because I think we've seen a lot of different influx through the course of this series, you know. And and I, it's hard for me to kind of blame one. I agree with you, Matt. Um, and at least, and especially offensively in Game Four, she kind of came alive, you know, late in the game. Um, But we got really, really excited about kind of her her MVP-ish type of play early on. Um, And obviously, when she's going offensively, that just adds (laughs) a huge shot in the arm to this Mystic's offense. But defensively, you know, is she a liability? Is she able to kind of combat um, that interior size? Honestly, I think we've we've seen moments, you know, from different players. I think Natasha Cloud has, has been phenomenal in moments. And I think she's gone missing in periods um in game four you know I was kind of hoping she was able to step up more than she was able to but you know again that's why it's a five game series you have you know other players have to step up when others are off and that's it's hard to really pin it on one person I, I don't know especially with the mystics in particular they've played so well across the board um and when they haven't like, like the start of game four when Connecticut was just routing them it, it was it was a collective unit you know that as a group they were unable to make shots as a, as a group they were unable to get stops so I don't know I have a really hard time with this question in well, particular well, I'm, gonna, I'm
0: gonna cut you off then I'm gonna say uh even though I've been a huge supporter of this player I looking at the stats thinking back I'm actually gonna drop a name on there Latoya Pringle Sanders um now the reason that I'm saying her is is let me be clear her defensive effort has been, Amazing. What she has been able to do. The, the reason that I'm criticizing her, because someone needs to get criticized out here. We are we are in game five, and it wasn't a sweep, and it wasn't a, a game four victory. The reason I'm criticizing her, in all honesty, is her offensive production. Um, with with this offense uh, of the Mystics that is so, so potent and powerful, you would have to think that Connecticut's defense has to zone in on, on Deladon, even injured Deladon. Has to zone in on Emma. Has to zone in on Christie and Atkins, and when Powers gets in, their Powers, and when Hot, like literally everybody on their their roster who has played in this series is deadly from three, except Latoya. And because of all the motions and all the ISO ball and all that, I would have liked to see. Uh, a few more of those Latoya games where she gets to double digits. Yes, she dropped eight in game one, but since then she's kind of been off. Yes, she's putting a lot of effort in defensively, but I would have liked to see a little bit more offensively. To me, it comes down to, uh, you know, as Agler said, the stars need to show up, but the role players need to step up also and and kind of put themselves into a discussion of, you know, we, we always talk about it in other leagues where it's like you watch the finals or the Super Bowl or whatever it is, and you're like, whoa this one player played amazing and she's going to be like, if she was a free agent or, or, or when they become a free agent, that's like any team would be smart to scoop them up or whatever. And, and we've been talking about powers in that, in that regard. Uh, if you've been listening to us or following us, but I think Latoya Sanders needs to step up to that level for DC to pull off a victory in game five tonight. Um, but let's move on to a positive note for, for this series. Uh, Matt, you get to go first. If DC pulls off a victory, who is your finals MVP?
2: You know, it's it's so weird because I was I was put on the spot to fill out my MVP ballot in game 4 in the third quarter and just in case, you know, DC came and won and I struggled so hard and I was just like I I really have no idea like this has been a really balanced effort all around and i might maybe tonight brings me like to a definitive point where i decide this is definitely the person uh i think if everything stays average and there is no one extreme breakout player tonight i still think it's elena deladon um i know that might be a little unpopular since she did miss a game and obviously her defense has shrugged off um since her injury, but everything DC does still is is because of the threat of her, even if she isn't playing at the top of her game. It, her still being an excellent three-point shooting threat, even with a broken back, is what's opening up everybody else around the perimeter. And It's really her who held down John Quill Jones when she was healthy. Um, to, me it's, to me, it's Deladon still.
0: Rachel, what about you?
1: Yeah, it's hands down Elena Deladon. I mean, if she's on the court, even at 50%, Washington has a chance. If she doesn't play, ew, it gets extremely difficult. You know, Brian Agler even predicted, it, whether people want to agree with him or not, um, they, they, they're they not going to win without her on the court. And as Matt said, I mean, fantastic analysis from the, from the aspect of just what she brings to the game in terms of how much she can open up her teammates, just the threat of her on the court, changes the entire dynamic, you know, of how Connecticut is operating defensively of the decision-making that, you know, Washington is making in terms of where, where's the basketball going to go. So, you know, she, she might only be putting up 11, 12, 13, 14 points a game because she is operating low. She, her presence on that court is the difference maker of this series. Um, and, you know, I think the fact that she has battled through what she's battling through and, and she's, she's you know, literally got all sorts of contraptions all over her body at this point of the season she's a is still out there <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, she's out there battling the way she's battling and, and getting her team to this point through the the entire season and through the playoffs. I mean, you, I, I, to me, she she's definitely the MVP. So
0: I, I'm glad I have both of you on this podcast so I can tell you you're both crazy. Uh, no, I, 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 hear, I hear what you're saying, um, and I respect your both of your opinions. Uh, I see it a little differently. I see it as if they pull off a victory, I, like I just think you go by stats um, and like, you know n- – a a style of impact that you can equate through numbers. And I know that sounds ridiculous and nerdy and and whatever, but that's just the way I view it. And I think the the majority of people who view it in that way are probably going to lean towards uh, Emma Misaman. But I'm going to throw a curveball here, and I think it's Ariel Atkins. Um, I think when she has shown up, it's been huge impact for this team. She is one of the best uh, two-way players on D.C. She has shown shown it consistently. Um, And and to be quite frank, she has the ability to blow up and make up for the points that, let's say, Emma's having a slow first half or Elena can't pull it off uh, just because of the pain and whatnot and the injuries. So I'm looking to Atkins. It's going to boil down in my mind to her. So uh, that's what I'm saying. But um, here's
1: the question now. How can you mention a player? I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Errol Atkins is phenomenal. She's doing big time things in just her sophomore season, but she didn't even play the final quarter and a half of game four. So how are you going
0: so to, I, I <laughs> I'll make it really easy. Uh, our first question, we were talking about DC, who do we blame coach T? Uh, I think DC is in a much better opportunity to pull off a game for victory. If Ariel Atkins is playing in those last minutes that, that I, I, again, who am I to criticize him? He has won a billion more games than I will ever, you know, have part in winning. Um, that's just, that's my take. I mean, I, I just think you got to give, you got to give her, she's the young gun. I understand she's in a lot of pain, but I, you have to think she's inspired by Elena Deledon. Um But uh, I mean, that that's just my thought. Uh, real quick though, Matt, do you have any updates or I know you were able to talk a little bit about Elena has spoken about her injury a little bit. Has there been any information in that regard to uh, what's going on with Atkins? Mm,
2: I have not sorry as my voice is dying sorry game five energy um (laughs) (laughs) no I I do not have anything else on Atkins I talked to her after game three it was I think and she was pretty hush about it I think she's one of those people that doesn't really like to make any sort of excuse so she wasn't really willing to give any more info all
0: right I respect that but all right let's, let's real quick assuming DC loses this game I know no one wants to think that uh what is the legacy of this team? And I'll go first, and I'll say the greatest the greatest team to never win a championship. Let's put it that way. Um, I, I don't think, you know, I've had many debates with, with our beat reporter, Gabe, uh, one of my podcast co-hosts. I've had many debates with him, and I don't think this D.C. team, you know, call me crazy, call me a homer, call me whatever you want, uh, looking over the Houston Comets, looking over – uh, the L.A. Sparks, uh, looking over the the Minnesota Lynx, the Detroit Shock, the New York Liberty, all these different teams. I got to say, like, I do not put this Washington team in a series in the same level as them. Call me crazy, call me biased, whatever. Uh, so for me, the legacy of this team is is the best team to never win a championship um, or uh, a team that just could never get it done. A team compiled of great players that couldn't get it done. What do you think, Rachel?
1: Um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll keep it short. Um, it is obviously a phenomenal team. It would be absolutely heartbreaking and devastating for them to have made it to the finals in 2018, um, lost to Seattle the way they did, take the entire you know off season to learn from that, grow from that, to get to this point and to lose it again would be absolutely devastating. I don't think you can necessarily put that into words. So um, it would be, <laughs> you know, everything in line of kind of what the progression um, points to them winning a championship, and and I think they're ready for it. The time is now. Um, it's so hard to get back to this point. And although you know you you would anticipate that most of everyone is going to return for next season, um, you just never know. You know, you never know how a team is going to click, how a team is going to jive. Um, how would a blow of them losing in a game five in, in the finals yet again <laughs> affect this team moving forward? So it, it would be it would be absolutely devastating, but. This team still has the greatest player in the world. It has one of the best coaches in the world. Um, It is very likely that they get back here, but let's be honest, what are the chances of getting back here, you know, three years in a row? It's very difficult. So I'm with you to that degree.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's obviously, it's shit luck, depressing, um, unfair, cruel, list all those words. And that's probably what we'll go back and think about this team. Uh, But it's not necessarily like a complete sour note. I mean, I think it's been incredible to see what WNBA offenses do now based on last year's Seattle Storm team and this year's Mystics team. It's kind of like these teams are setting the pace for the future of women's pro basketball. I mean, this pace and space and three, crazy three-point shooting and everybody needing to like be able to step back behind the line, Like that's just where the league is going. And I think the Mystics have taken what Seattle's done, built on it a little bit, and I'm kind of excited to see what Seattle looks like next year when they're all back and how everybody else is going to retool to match what they do on offense so it's just a it's just another part of like how this sport is going to progress so sad but also like pretty dope they had the best offense ever
0: yeah and and you know what like look how it for me i always view this and we always talk about the growth of the w uh comparatively to the nba or other sports leagues And just think about how all of us sitting here right now talk about, you know, championships that happened in the NFL 10, 20 years ago or championships in the WNBA and all that jazz. Um, It's going to be exciting and this is going to be included in, you know, the big time history of the W. But we got to talk about Connecticut real quick. Connecticut, we assume they lose this game. Who do we blame? Who does it come down to uh, for for, you know, not bringing home a championship to Connecticut uh, for me, I got I got the same answer for who can we blame and who didn't show up this series because with Connecticut, it starts and ends with their starting five. I think Morgan Tuck has showed us that there is more than just a starting five in Connecticut, which is great to see. Uh, she is really, you know, someone who I've blatantly talked about not possibly being a bust as a draft pick, but now you're in a situation where she's shown why she's still on this roster: big time show ups. Uh, big-time games from playing for UConn, and now she's showing up big-time in the WNBA playoffs, a.k.a. the WNBA finals. So for me, flip it on the other side, who do I blame? Jasmine Thomas. I mean, huge, huge semifinals to sweep L.A., but um, and, and great defensive effort so far in this series, but to me, I have not seen the production from her. She looks a little bit... Now, I don't want to say not ready for the moment, but like I was talking about before, a little bit too much energy, a little bit of that, you know, out of control energy. Um, And and I'm looking for her. If she doesn't step up big in this in this game five, she's who I'm blaming for this loss. Uh, Rachel, you're up.
1: I don't know. I, I definitely hear you there. If I had to blame, <clears throat> not, not blame, it just sounds so hard to um, I know, right? <laughs> Thomas has been, been so great, you know, and it's hard to really be so critical of anybody at this point, but I get that's what we have to do. If they lose, I think – you know, Jasmine Thomas is the engine that makes this Connecticut Sun team go. We could talk about JJ and, and her ability to put up 32 and 18. We could talk about Courtney Williams, and you know she has to show up. She has to score points. Shaquina Strickland has to make make shots. Elizabeth Thomas is going to do what she does. Uh, but Jasmine Thomas, you know, when she has that extra level to her, when you know she, she's the motor of this team. She she's the engine of this team. If she no shows. Or if she is quiet or she's not being aggressive, she's not playing with that edge and that confidence to her that she has brought so many times in the series, it's been glaring when she has not. Um, and in my opinion, I agree with you on that. Uh, Jasmine Thomas has got to be at peak performance in order for them to win tonight.
0: Matt, what are you thinking?
2: Yeah, I think I'm on the same page. I, I don't think... Listen, this is farther than... The sound the have made it further than any, anybody probably thought they were really going to make it. At least that's my opinion. So I'm blown away even if they lose tonight. Uh, but I think the person who will have the most to reflect on if they do lose is probably from Thomas. Um, with you on that too. She's been... I mean, she is the weakest link they have offensively and I think that's something she's going to think about in the offseason and improving her shooting because she's been a person who the Mystics have been able to lay off of a bit and go and double JJ or help on Alyssa Thomas on the drives uh, or things of that nature. Uh, But then again, she's been excellent in spurts too. I mean, I think she's just going to have that same sort of Natasha cloud uh, like off season, like shit. Like I am the worst shooter and I need to fix that. And I think she'll get there.
0: Um, I just want to add one thing real quick. I feel like an idiot. Um, Looking back at DC, I know I said Ariel Atkins for MVP, Reading the stats a little bit closer, I skipped over, uh, you know, the Game 3 victory, Sunday the 6th, the Mohegan Sun, where Errol Atkins goes one for seven and two points. So I might, might have to adjust my pick back to Emma. But <laughs> let's talk a little bit more about Connecticut. Um, Who is your MVP, Matt, for Connecticut if they win this series? Because... They are a very even keeled team, so I think it's it's much harder than with DC. I mean, DC, you have some some namesakes that you're obviously going to lean towards, but I'm gonna put you I'm gonna put you on I'm gonna put you on, uh, on point right now. Who you, who you picking?
2: I actually think my son MVP is pretty clear. Uh, I would take Alyssa Thomas. She's been she's been a fucking tank. I don't even know how else to put it into words. Like, I mean, she. Is so valuable to them defensively. You can put her anywhere and on anyone, and she's held her ground. And that's even been on Elena Deladon or Emma Miesman, and she can switch off on the guards. And on offense, anytime she's on the break, it's points. She's been she's so strong. She's so physical. She's so good at finishing inside. I've never seen a player have one weakness that's so blatant and teams still not be able to stop it. I mean, we all know she's not going to shoot outside of like five feet from the rim, but she still gets there. Mm -hmm. And she shot nine for 10 from the free throw line yesterday or two days ago, whatever Mm -hmm. day it is. I mean, to me, I mean, she's she's made the biggest name for herself throughout these playoffs to me. And Kurt Miller can't take her off the court and I get why.
0: Uh, Can I just say that it's freaking absurd for somebody who typically – okay, is, you know, not the greatest. She's a 49% free throw shooter this season. Her greatest free throw season was 2014, 75%. And since then, it has dropped down by 6% each season, essentially. Okay, that is ridiculous. And she has shot back up, you know, in in the 2019 playoffs. She's shooting 75. She, 75.8. Which is 0.1% better than her career high. Okay, that is clutch. Sorry, just had to put that in. No,
2: and also, I talked to Alyssa a little bit after one of those games, and she's shooting with a different hand. <laughs> like, I think that's something we also don't talk about. Like, we know she's got torn labrobes, like, her shoulders are absolutely messed up, but she was a left handed shooter in college and through her first years in the W also. Like, she, her left shoulder is so messed up that she's like, you know what? I really can't lift this high enough. Let's just start shooting with the other hand. Like, who does that? She's putting off surgery for God knows how long just because she's like, "Well, I'm still one of the best in the world, anyway, so fuck it." Like Alyssa Thomas is incredible.
1: No, she really is. What what she's been able to do, I mean, talk about just mental, physical toughness across the board. Every young player, you know, hoping to make a name for themselves or um, you know be tough enough to make it to that next level, needs to study her game and, to, and needs to study her level of toughness. It's hard to find. It doesn't come across every day. Um, it's, she, she's one in a million in terms of uh, the toughness she brings to the court, um, outside of just the bully ball, you know, I, I'm not talking about her physicality and the way she plays that way. I'm just talking about, you know, the motor she plays with. Um, you know, she, she doesn't run out. She just keeps going despite whatever's thrown her way. And you have to respect that. And we need to embrace that because like, like I said, that doesn't come across every day. However, if the Connecticut Sun win the championship, my MVP is John Cole Jones, um, in every game that Connecticut's been able to win this series, she's been phenomenal. I mean, with the 32 and 18 performance and game two, and then followed that up with an 18 and 13 double, double. I mean, you know, we talked about, I talked about rebounding feeling in the show, being such a key stat and, and she really can control the glass. Everything rebounding wise for Connecticut, um, is powered by, by JJ, but offensively what she's able to do, um, from a scoring standpoint, um, the player she's been throughout the course of the season would have been in particular, particularly this series. If she has a big time double, double game, Connecticut is always going to have a chance. Um, and she just makes such a difference on both ends of the floor. Uh, so that's my MVP. All
0: right. Well, I'm, I'm glad we all see things differently. I respect both your opinions. Um, and maybe again, I'm a little biased, but I'm going Courtney Williams because Uh, Everything you guys have said, yes, they're key roles, but Courtney Williams, in my mind, has been that go-to player that has not only ignited them with her talk, but with her play. Big games uh, in every regard when they've won, struggled when the team has lost. And honestly, am I the only one who wants to see what her and her dad do if she wins finals MVP?
2: Uh, No, I'm here for it. I hope I get invited to the after party.
0: (laughs) That's what I'm saying! Where is the after party tonight?! Please get us on the list. Um, you know, hey, if if Doug, you know who we're talking about, if Doug is around, Doug, get us on the list. Doug's the man. Right. Now, I want to talk briefly. What is the legacy of this team, of this Connecticut Sun team, if they win? Uh, for me, it's it's a very nuanced legacy. It's I, Now, I'm going to get crap from uh, Amber Cox and the whole Connecticut Sun staff when I say this, but I... The the idea of Connecticut winning, I think, is great for this league. In the idea of this whole role player thing, but also talks of big market versus little market. Um, you know, we've seen larger markets with those big name stars. Not to say Connecticut doesn't have big name stars. I think they do. I think part of the problem is the market that they're in doesn't get as much attention on a singular player that you would see across various other teams or different markets. Um, Especially when you're talking about a place that is so entrenched in University of Connecticut, UConn basketball, where in college basketball, especially in women's ball, it's a lot more so about teams uh, than necessarily that one player who's going to skip college after one year and go play in the league. So for me, the legacy is it shows that if you have a good coach and a really good starting five, filled with really good players. You don't need, you know, one of those five players that we constantly see the league promote as the superstar. That's the legacy for me. What about, what about you, Rachel? The
1: way that Kurt Miller is, has been able to manage this Connecticut Sun team. Um, And and in talks of expanding on, you know, the role players, if you will, let's not forget the Sun lost arguably their, their franchise player at the beginning of the season to LA. You know, we talk about Shania Gumuke and this team being built around her for so many years. I mean, we haven't talked about that in a long time now because they haven't really skipped a beat, and, and arguably they're better. Um, and it was honestly the best move for every party involved. But what this what this Sun team has been able to build these last few years, I think for me, it's very um, not old school is, is a tough word, but 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 you as a college coach, you know, you you're trying to build a culture. You're trying to build something that lasts longer than just one two, three years. And that's what Kurt Miller and his staff have been able to do. And I think it's really refreshing to see. And you've done it with a lot of people who have remained consistent, who've stayed the course, who have, um, who don't have these huge egos, but are willing to buy into the culture that Kurt Miller has talked about for so long. Um, everything I'm talking about is extremely, extremely difficult to do. And it's even more difficult to do when you get to the professional level. So that is a massive legacy. And that's a huge credit, not to just Kurt Miller and what he's done, but to these players and their willingness to buy into his vision.
0: Matt, talk to me. Yeah, I
2: think if the Sun wind up winning the series, it's, it's really a testament to being able to keep your same core together and believing in it. I think this league is – especially really tough to sort of dynasty build with so many pieces going in and out all the time you have players who don't even come to the W because they stay overseas you have players banged up because they're playing 11 months out of the year it's really hard to keep one sound core together and Connecticut's done it Uh, and I think that's a good part of the reason why they're where they are I don't think they have even the second or third best roster in this league um but they've been able to grow the same pieces on the on the court together, and their ability to uh, just know where each other are, and be able to stay in the same defensive rotations, uh, knowing each other's strengths and weaknesses like that—that's big. And that's another reason that why I think Washington is here too. That's another roster that stayed together for a bit of time, and that really that really helps.
0: Awesome. I appreciate the insight, folks. Uh, we got to get going because game's about to start. We want to get this out so the fans can listen to it. As we always say, we believe the players of the W and its community deserve the same in-depth analysis and respect that men's sports receive on a daily basis. And that in mind, please consider joining our Patreon community to help support us and the hard work that we do. A big thank you to Matt for joining us. Check him out on Twitter. Uh, Matt, what's your Twitter handle?
2: It is at M. Ellentuck. Watch me cry and sweat and throw up online
0: there we go and uh you obviously know where rachel's at uh folks we'll hear we'll we'll be speaking to you after game five and uh we'll see what happens but uh stick with it and remember it's all about the w